those of you who don't know me, okay, there we go. <laughs> my name is Beth Tilly. For those of you who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting here, um, I have the privilege of serving just in various capacities here at ECC. Um, now mainly with the Young Adults Ministry. So if you're a young adult, look for me, look for me, please, and I will look for you. Um, and I'm just happy to be here and always honored uh, when we have the opportunity to share um, the Word of God um, and share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart. I pray that our ears and our hearts would be opened and ready to receive what the Lord has for us this morning. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles or tap on your apps and go with me to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. Today we are speaking. Today we're speaking under the theme of seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. Does everyone have it? I don't see anyone looking. Great. And the word reads, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, more, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little, of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Amen. We thank the Lord for his word this morning. So I said hi to everyone. Hello, everyone, uh, virtually. Hi, Mom. Um, and we are speaking again this morning under the theme of seek first the kingdom. This morning, We've read uh, in the book of Matthew. <clears throat> I think it's important that we know context. I think it's important that we know where we are uh, spending some time in Scripture. For those note takers, get ready. <laughs> the book of Matthew is identified as one of the four Gospels. The Gospels is where we see Jesus' life, 
his birth, his ministry, his miracles, his death, right? The crucifixion and resurrection, including the 40 days that, that then he spends walking the earth before finally ascending to the right hand of the Father. The content within the book of Matthew, presented with its own method and style and audience, is also found in the Gospels of Luke and Mark. And these are known as the synoptic gospels. The word synoptic comes from the Greek word synopticos, meaning able to be seen together. So within the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see the same events, the same stories, but from slightly different points of view. These verses that we just read are found in the middle of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Some calling it the authoritative message of the Messiah, which begins in chapter 5, just before it, and runs through chapter 7 there in the book of Matthew. Within this sermon, we get to see Jesus himself elaborate on the reality of discipleship lived in the presence and power of the kingdom of God that is in Christ, but within everyday world. We see the Sermon on the Mount, we see in the Sermon on the Mount some of his most famous teachings. We find the Golden Rule, I mean you're familiar with the Golden Rule, yeah? We see the Lord's Prayer, right? We see the Beatitudes, blessed, blessed, right? We also have that piece about turning our cheek, right? That may not be very popular with some folks, right? But that's also in this sermon, right? Just um, all of these, right, are, are, are ideas and their thoughts, their messages that even if you're not a believer, you may have heard them, you may be familiar with them, right? The key within these passages is that we see Jesus himself presenting what it looks to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. Someone who has met their savior and lives their life according to the teachings of Christ, resting on his sacrifice, imitating his example in the already here on earth, right? On this side of eternity and waiting on the not yet, right? His glorious return, right? Where he will rule forever. A few weeks ago, beginning of the summer, I had an interest in reading the Sermon of the Mount. I was studying and I said, oh, Sermon on the Mount, I haven't read it in a little while, let's go there. And as I was reading it, I was reading these verses, one verse in particular stood out to me, and that was verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I remembered reading the passage in the past. I remember people trying to encourage me with that passage, uh, right? But something about reading it in that moment, in my current season, made me pause. In this season of growth, but still unanswered questions and pending promises, season of increased work and responsibilities and a call to obedience, was I seeking God and his righteousness first in my life? Or 
in the alternative, had I turned to myself, turned my gaze inward, and tried to figure this life out by myself, by my strength, in my own way. We all, at different stages in our lives, work towards something, right? We toil to make it somewhere, we work towards something, and with that, we're faced with a number of worries. We worry about meeting the mark, about keeping up with expectations, about making it in the end. This life, as a believer, isn't absent of earthly desires, rather, it becomes of competing desires identifying that which we deem most essential for life and happiness, and the need to constantly realign our thoughts, our wants, and our desires to make sure that Christ is what we deem most essential for life and for happiness. Because otherwise, we become idolaters of something other than Christ. This life as a believer is about asking God to have his will done in our lives, understanding that when we say, your will be done, we are also saying, may my will be undone. And we forget that. We forget that when we say, thy will be done, it means your will is not going to be done as much. As I thought about this, I knew I had to answer the question, how can I make sure that I am seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first? Today we'll answer that. How can we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and by reward see that all we need in this life and the next is provided for us? Look into the words of Jesus in these passages. I present that we can live our lives in a way that meets this command, because we see that Jesus is telling us, seek, right? We can see that we can meet this command and be uh, met with reward as we do three things. We need to focus, we need to trust, and we need to act, we need to take action. Before we look to trust, to focus, trust, and act, it's important that we understand, that we have an understanding of what the kingdom of God refers to. What does that even mean, right? The term is used a number of times within scripture. So to be clear, the kingdom of God is not a physical place like Windsor Castle in England or El Palacio Real in Spain, right? It's not the earthly kingdom that the people of Israel wanted as they waited for freedom from their oppressors. Instead, these passages, within these passages, the kingdom of God is the rule of God over his people and his creation established through Christ, now present in this world, right? Because we are his creation, we are his people, and we're here on this side of eternity, awaiting the fulfillment at the second coming of Christ. The kingdom of God is directly related to the story of redemption, in that although through the fall of Adam and Eve, sin and death ruled this world, reign in this world. We were just singing about this, and I didn't talk to uh, <laughs> no conversations. But 
through the fall, right, we see that sin reigned, that death reigned, destruction reigned, and, and on this earth, right, we see that Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God here on earth with his birth, his life, and his resurrection. We see that this kingdom transcends into a heavenly place as he ascends to the right hand of the Father in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, if you want to reference, and expands when his spirit is poured out unto others as we see in the book of Acts. We know that all of us who profess Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, all of us were once dead in our trespasses. And all of us, sin and death ruled, but we were rescued from darkness and have been transferred into this kingdom of the Son of God, as Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. To seek the kingdom, we must first know the king. Jesus is the king. And it is only through him that we have access to the kingdom. And knowing Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, we also know his righteousness because it's an essential aspect of his character. And scripture tells us that this righteousness is counted to us in him, in Christ. Once we know the king, then there's this command to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that we will see the reward of all needed things being added to us. To seek the kingdom of God is to seek Christ, his ways, his teachings, his way of life. Yes, with the hope of living in eternity with him. Excuse me. Thank you. <clears throat> but for now, <laughs> here on earth, so that others can see, right, and also be welcomed into the kingdom. We can live our lives in a way that meets this command and by reward see that all we need, need to live well and to honor and please God when we again focus, trust, and take action, act. Let's talk about focusing. In the first few verses of the passage, and I encourage you to keep your Bibles open or your apps open so you can um, see what we're talking about as we're going to be covering a few verses. He points out that we should not be anxious about matters in our lives. In verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. In verse 27, he says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? The word here, the word that's used here for anxious, in addition to its common the definition or use for worry, literally means to be divided or distracted, right? If you're taking notes, it comes from the Greek. Medim now is the Greek word. Medim now. It means to be divided or distracted, 
If we're going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we need to focus. In this world, there will be many things that will distract us from the primary need of our lives, Jesus. I can assure you that just in the few minutes that I've been speaking, you've been distracted by many thoughts, maybe thoughts of what you did yesterday or Friday that might be accusing you. You've been distracted <clears throat> by an issue or a problem you can't seem to resolve. Or maybe you quite literally are being distracted by what verse 25 says, because you woke up late, you didn't have breakfast, and now you're here. Welcome, right? So distractions happen to all of us and in various ways. When we focus and we have our thoughts on all these things about life and sustaining ourselves and providing and doing so much, and we are overly consumed by these things, we are distracted. Our worries or cares for earthly things, even those things that are good, like relationships and careers and provision and, and your status, can consume our thoughts and distract us to the point where we stop depending on God, stop caring for our spiritual being, uh, which leads us to slip, to sin, and further distract us from what is meant for us in Christ, a relationship with God. Do we need physical sustenance? Absolutely. Are, are we responsible for caring for our families and our loved ones and our friends? Absolutely. But should we be distracted by these things to the detriment of our seeking God, of being in community, of serving one another? No. To seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we need to focus. We also need to trust. Throughout these verses, Jesus reminds us of his provision. He shows how he provides for the birds of the air who play no part in their sustenance and the lilies of the field who have no part in their development. He points out that the questions which distract us grow in the light of a diminishing faith. It's important to see here that it isn't a complete lack of faith, rather a faith that dwindles that Jesus calls out. I don't think there's any one of us who has ever been in faith at 100% all the time. If you raise your hand and you say yes, I might disagree with you a little bit, right? None of us is ever at 100% all the time, you know? We're gonna dwindle a little bit. We're gonna have our doubts, and that is okay. When life beats you up once or twice, when you have an unmet promise or you have an expectation that's unmet, our faith can dwindle, right? But Jesus here reminds us that in keeping this command, our faith must remain strong. In scripture, there's a story of a man whose son is afflicted so he brings his son to Jesus, asking for healing. And when Jesus tells him that all things are possible if he believes, he asks for help for his unbelief. How much more us, right, being honest in our circumstance, saying, Lord, you know, I trust you and I believe you up here, but my heart right now just needs a little bit of help. Can you just help my unbelief? and the Lord will meet us where we are. 
we too can trust God to help us trust him, his ways and his redirections. We too can tell God that we are struggling to believe him and trust him and God will meet us where we are. There is never a promise in scripture that believing God and in believing God doesn't mean we won't face hardships. We find in scripture that suffering is, uh, is very well a part of the believer's life. And with that promise, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ, right? We are called to trust God in all our circumstances, knowing that even in our seeming lacking ways or situations, circumstances, in our abundance of suffering, we have him and we can believe him for what he has promised for our lives. Once we focus, right, once we trust God, we need to take action. We must act. To seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, in these verses, Jesus tells us to take action. To seek is not a passive term. To seek is to look with purpose, to strive after. If I told you that there was a million dollars hidden in this sanctuary, million dollars, right, hidden in this sanctuary, how would you seek for those million dollars? Would you just sit there and kind of wish for it to appear? Would you look to your neighbor and be like, you think you want to go get that? Would you look for your mom or your dad, your family member, and depend on them to seek those million dollars for you? Absolutely not. If I told you there was a million dollars here, all of you would be up, tearing up the place, looking under the bancas, you know, just looking, seeking actively because you know there's a reward. There's a million dollars hidden. Go get it. Right? There's action. When you desire something and you're looking for something, you take that action. There's no million dollars here, guys. Just, you know. No worries. And if you find anything, please go to Treasury and, and deliver it there. <laughs> Action is what is needed to meet this commandment. Jeremiah 29 13 promises that when we that we will find him when we seek him with all our hearts. He wants to be found, guys. He wants us to find him. We just need to take that action. Actively seek him. We've talked about how to fulfill this command, um, how we need to focus and trust and act. And now I want to invite us to see a few ways in which we can see how seeking, we can see if we're seeking God in his righteousness in our lives. Looking a little ahead, uh, mainly in chapter 7 of the book of Matthew, Jesus continues to describe what being a disciple looks like, right? In the real world. So these sorts of things are kind of check engines for us, right? Things that kind of go up and say, oh, I should check that in my life. How do we know if we are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that we see that he provides all that we need when we aren't judging others? When we're too busy focused on ourselves, we don't have time to look at our neighbor and figure out how bad their sin is or how bad they're messing up or how bad they're missing God. 
When we are focused on seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we are focused on this relationship, right? And everything else sorts itself out. We're not looking in the places that we don't need to be if we're looking up, if we're focused on this relationship, if we're seeking the kingdom of God. In this season, do you feel like you see everyone else's sin, but yours isn't there? Do you see everything wrong that everyone else is doing, but you struggle to see how maybe you could grow in certain areas of your life? You're distracted by your brother or sister's walk in Christ, and you're not focusing on yours? Maybe it's time that we refocus right, ourselves to seek God and not worry about what's happening around us. How do we know if we're seeking God, the kingdom of God and his righteousness? When we present our requests before the Lord and we believe him for those requests. And a little further down in Matthew, Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. In this season, do you find yourself saying over and over, you got it, I got it, I can do this, I can make it on my own? Have you neglected your time in prayer and pursuing God because you've got things to do, you've got places to be, you've got people to meet, you're going to make this work for yourself. Maybe it's time to renew our trust in God right? To meet us where we are, to meet our needs, to believe him, to ask him, but believe him also for what he has promised us. How do we know that we're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Are you displaying qualities of love and care with others? Those of us, those of us who love God with our heart and our soul and our mind, we should be loving our neighbors and ourselves. We should be treating others as we would like to be treated. When we are seeking the kingdom of God, this comes naturally. If you're focusing your relationship on Christ, if you're seeking God, this relationship to others where we love others and care for others and meet others where they are, wanna provide for others, that will come naturally, right? even those that can be a little difficult to love, right? Because when we see people through the lens of Christ, things change. Our love is different and our care is different. It's intentional, right? We choose to do this. There is no way you see God and his righteousness and not love your neighbor. There just isn't a way, guys. In seeking and finding, right, you bear that good fruit and you see the good deeds. In this season, are you struggling to love well, to meet in community? Are you bearing good fruit for the honor of God and the glory of God? You can take action starting today to seek first the kingdom of God and see how this develops in your life. Jesus has commanded us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and has promised that in doing so, all we need will be added to our lives. All we need on this side of eternity to honor him, 
to worship him, to live in community, to love our brother and sister, to serve them, to serve in their church. Everything will be added to our lives. Even those personal things that we're asking the Lord for, right? Those personal petitions and promises for our families and our well-beings and our careers and all those things. It may not look like exactly what you have in mind, but the Lord will provide. The biggest thing he can provide for us is himself. He provides himself for us. So I want to thank you, right, for sharing with me this word over the last few minutes. And I would like to invite you to just think about what we just talked about, right? About focusing and trusting and taking action. Those check engine lights, right, that I just reviewed. And I want to invite you to the altar if you fit one of these two situations. First, we're talking about the kingdom of God, right? And I mentioned very at the beginning that if you don't know the king, right, how can you be invited into the kingdom, right? We recognize that. Um, before we can respond to this command, we must know the king. We must know Jesus. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, and you've been sitting here and you feel a tug at your heart, I invite you to respond to that tug by repenting of your sins and inviting Jesus into your life. If you're a believer and you feel that your relationship has faltered as of late, the invitation is also for you. We love you, and we're here to pray with you. If you find yourself in a place where you're distracted from your relationship with Christ, we love to pray with you. If you find it difficult to um, just stay focused on Christ and to trust him and believe him for all he has promised, we love you, and we invite you to come forward so that we can pray for you. God bless you, church. Praise the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life. 